And now without any further delay, I'd like to welcome UNESCO Mobile Week webinar. M is for Mobile, Sesame Street Mobile Initiatives. Our presenters today are Anita Stewart, SVP Strategic Development, and Miles Ludwig, Managing Director, Content Innovation Lab. Anita, you now have the floor. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, depending on where you're coming from. And um, thank you for joining us. Um, so my name is Anita Stewart, and um, I head up what we call uh, at Sesame Workshop Strategic Partnerships and Development, which is really working with organizations um, around the world to help further um, our mission. Uh, and Miles heads up the Innovation Lab, and he'll talk to you a little bit uh, more about what he does, but more importantly, how it impacts um, our work. Um, so I, I think many of you may or may not know that Sesame Workshop is a not-for-profit. Uh, we started 43 years ago uh, with a television show in the United States using media to educate children. And one of the main goals is really to look at those children who are underserved and how can we reach them to ready them for their school experience. And it started in the United States. And what we do is we certainly use um, education, media, and muscle to further the goal of helping children to reach their highest potential. And um, when we were on the air in the United States for um, a year, uh, Germany, Mexico, and Brazil came to Joan Gans, Coney, who's our founder, and said, we'd like to look at this in, in, uh, in our countries. And rather than just taking the existing programming, what we did was take the model, which was really very research-based, and looking at what the needs are for early childhood education in children, uh, and looked at that on a country-by-country -country basis, using the same kind of modeling, using Muppets to communicate uh, educational, as well as what we call the whole child curriculum, which is cognitive skills, uh, health, and social-emotional. So as you see, we are in about 150 countries around the world, but in around 26 to 30 of those countries are where we have co-productions, where we produce the programming on the ground with partners on the ground, getting input from uh, educators and ministries of education, ministries of health in those countries to develop a curriculum that is relevant for that country. We then look at what are the best tools to be able to communicate and to educate uh, those children. So we, we look at very low-tech uh, prints and uh, visual media to uh, what we're here to talk about today, which is mobile devices. And what we really look at is that what is the right content for, those, for that media and how do we really reach the children where they are, and also what we're about is we're uh, very much about co what we call co-viewership uh, and the integration of uh, uh, an adult, uh, whether it's a parent or a caregiver or a teacher, and that child, because we talk to children pretty much from two to eight years old, and there are usually adults in that child's life. Um, and so the Muppets act as positive role models for both the children and um, the, the adults around them. So what we'd like to talk to you about today is some of the research we've done in mobile, uh, some of the educational applications, 
Um, and then um, several projects that we have uh, that we're piloting, uh, one in India and one in China. And Miles is going to talk to you a little about our overall research and some of the things that we've done in this area. Thanks, Anita. So uh, my group at the workshop focuses on exploring new ways of delivering educational content to maximize impact all around the world. To some extent, that means a focus on emerging technologies, uh, though it's not limited to that. Mobile is an important area. There's a great deal of opportunity uh, to reach people and families with mobile that uh, might not be able to access Sesame Street content otherwise. Uh, first, I'll, I'll talk for a few minutes about some of the work that our sister uh, organization, the Joan Ganscuni Center, has done uh, in, the, in the mobile space. The Joan Ganscuni Center uh, was established a few years ago uh, as a policy and advocacy uh, nonprofit which uh, works to advance the use of, in particular, um, gaming and, and other interactive technologies for children's learning. And they have a, a, a broader focus in certain ways than assessing workshop itself in that they are uh, looking at, at children of all ages uh, who might benefit from um, well-designed uses of technology. And they also perform a lot of uh, services as conveners and influencers of uh, industry and government that go uh, beyond the, the, the focus that testing Workshop has on uh, preschool education. And a big part of what the Joan Gans Cooney Center has been uh, doing for the last couple of years has been conducting research uh, and just looking at a couple of those recent reports here. And these reports can be downloaded at the, at the website, JoanGansCooneyCenter.org, and there are a, 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 a number of uh, reports that are of great interest. Just to focus for a moment on, on, on a couple, uh, as apps started to become a phenomenon, um, especially observing that children find touchscreens, very young children find touchscreens incredibly intuitive and attractive, uh, and it removes for them some of the challenges that uh, have been uh, always a limitation. Uh, young children and the mouse, uh, kind of a tough mix, but the, the touch screen uh, has really changed everything, and that's led to apps being uh, really opening up a lot of new opportunities to, to reach children and engage them along with their parents. And so the Joan Gans Cooney Center has... Uh, done some work to uh, serve as a guide for those who would like to use uh, mobile apps for learning. And just to focus on a couple of the bullets here, um, think about the age range and, and be focused with respect to the, the target. Um, design content that is supplemental and relevant to the other uh, learning experiences that children's, children are having. Um, bear children's motor skills in mind. And that means that you can't always avail yourselves of, of, of all of the functions uh, of a particular device. You might, you might not use Pinch, for example, to Zoom, uh, depending on the age group of the children. Uh, keep in mind that uh, children's attention span can be perhaps considered as a maximum of 20 minutes. Uh, be clear about why children should engage in the activity. 
uh, message to parents and communicate with them about what children are learning. And of course, uh, as we know well here at Sesame Street, the presence of a, of a known and loved character can provide its own incentive for children to engage. What we see over and over again is that when, when Elmo uh, asks for children's help, they don't question um, why they should be doing it. They simply want to help Elmo. And so that can be a very powerful incentive. Another study uh, conducted by the, the John Gans Cooney Center focused on ebooks and uh, in particular looked at the distinctions between uh, what are sometimes called traditional ebooks, which basically just provide uh, reading features, book being read aloud, being able to highlight text, versus enhanced ebooks, which usually provide uh, other kinds of interactivity, whether it be exploratory or gaming or creativity activities. And one of the conclusions that um, I think was somewhat surprising uh, from this study was that uh, adding enhanced ebook features to, to these products and these, uh, these apps can actually uh, distract from the, the literacy learning that that is the, the core function of, uh, of ebook uh, experiences. And so being very uh, intentional in building in those enhanced features and perhaps even making them only active on the second read-through, for example, is a way to ensure that, that we we're maximizing literacy learning with ebooks. Um, they also suggest that parental control settings can be very, very important and be helpful in bringing parents into the experience. And similarly, that uh, coupling ebook uh, time with, with print, physical print reading time uh, also is, a, is an enormous aid to literacy and also to uh, children's attitudes about reading and helping them to uh, build a love of reading. So now moving on to uh, Yet another, oops, is that, there we go, there we go. Uh, now that talking more generally about Sesame Workshop and our approach to research as distinct from the, the Joan Gans Cooney Center, um, it really is at the core DNA of the organization. Uh, for almost 45 years now, research has informed absolutely everything that we do, and, and each and every week we're out with children uh, doing informative testing of uh, all of the content that we produce, including for mobile devices and, and for tablets. Um, we've been working with apps for about four years now, and we have 60 uh, live apps available for various platforms around the world. And uh, there are five of them that are have been and, and, and continue to be localized into the various languages so that we can expand that distribution and reach. And we've conducted more than 70 studies, uh, independent of the John Gunnett Schooling Center's work, uh, to ensure that we're delivering the right educational outcomes. And I can share a few of the, the best practices that have come out of that research. And, uh, certainly a lot of this is based on um, U.S. Uh, apps and, and, and 
U.S.-based studies, but I think it does have broad implications for the uh, use of these devices all around the world, and it certainly served to inform the, the international projects that we're engaged in. Um, visual clues and visual cues are of, of critical importance, especially for uh, our age group. Uh, children in general uh, are not going to be able to receive instructions via text. Um, where we're using text, it should be explicitly for literacy learning purposes, and we need to uh, be able to highlight each word independently so the children can uh, focus on one word at a time if that's where they are at developmentally. Um, interruptibility is a, is a very important issue and one that we uh, spend a lot of time on with, with each and every product, striking the correct balance between uh, allowing children to quickly through the application at their own speed and giving them, uh, maximizing their choice and control, uh, striking the balance between those concerns, which are critical for children's engagement and replay, and the need to make sure that they actually hear and understand the instructions and know how to play. And uh, in some ways this may seem sort of common sense, but in fact there are a lot of decisions uh, that are made around this that are, that are challenging and uh, difficult, and in fact, it's one of the things that we most often tune subsequent to testing is determining exactly when do we force children to stop and listen to instructions and receive information, and when do we allow children to move forward at their own pace. A little bit more on best practices. Um, always bear in mind that children's motor skills are, are developing, as I uh, mentioned earlier, that they're not necessarily going to be able to use all of the different uh, interaction models that uh, are available on a given device, keeping things as simple as possible, especially from a, a user interface perspective, is, is always a good idea. Uh, children cannot uh, or, or would prefer not to hold a tablet, especially a larger tablet, uh, in their hands. They prefer to put it down on the floor and, uh, and kind of lean on the edges. and. That means that if you have any kind of active linking or hotspots around those edges, there will be accidental triggering that can send children uh, off task and, and make things very confusing. Um, timeouts, always important. Uh, just to remind children that the app is, is still running and it's, it's time to uh, get back on task. Um, our tradition here at Sesame Workshop is to scaffold wrong answers uh, in three tiers, basically by just first giving feedback that that's, uh, that's not the right answer and, and provide encouraging um, guidance there. And ultimately, uh, at that third level, after that third wrong answer, actually giving them the answer, highlighting it for them, and allowing them to move on. Uh, and then finally, and this is as much for parents as for children, it's important to make sure a menu is accessible uh, so that Again, maximizing the choice and control for the user. Uh, the issue of in-app transactions and, uh, you know, essentially marketing to children is a, for the workshop as a nonprofit, um, we don't market to children. And so uh, even though this is to some extent common practice in apps, we uh, take great care to make sure that we're only communicating with parents. Uh, and 
and to try and uh, engage parents, as, as Anita was saying earlier, co-viewing when, when we can achieve it, we know that more learning takes place when an adult is involved and engaged. And so through parental controls, uh, tutorials, and also through uh, using our characters and stories to uh, writing them in such a way as to uh, appeal to adults as well, our goal is always to draw as many parents and adults as possible into uh, having experience with their child. A couple of uh, recent examples, and these are products that are uh, being localized uh, for other languages. Elmo loves ABCs and Elmo loves one through threes. ABCs uh, was very well received, and so we uh, proceeded along the logical path to uh, one through threes. And uh, these are rich uh, products which uh, allow children to interact with numbers and letters in a wide variety of ways. They also uh, include uh, Sesame Street video from our large library, uh, which is very helpful, especially as a reward for the hard work that children do in uh, identifying letters, tracing letters, and so forth. And we also have built into both of these applications uh, pure creativity and exploratory activities that just allow children, without, without um, you know, requiring right answers, that just allow them to explore and, and have fun. And that's another important aspect of the Sesame tradition. Uh, numbers and letters are what, are what we're most associated with at Sesame Street, but in fact our curriculum uh, is about the whole child, as Anita mentioned earlier, and uh, going all the way back, in, in this case in 1971, you see an example of how we address social-emotional goals. And uh, we've taken that, that uh, property, that sort of sub-brand, the monster at the end of this book, and now made that into two uh, very successful enhanced e-books that have uh, been very, very popular with uh, the target audience and, and also have received a lot of uh, awards, which is always gratifying. Finally, to um, talk a little bit about something that's in the pipeline, we're working with Qualcomm to develop uh, apps mobile apps that, that take advantage of their augmented reality engine, Euphoria, and uh, a, a new project which will uh, be out uh, later this year is, is called Big Bird's Words, and it uses Euphoria's capability for visual text recognition to uh, ask children to identify, uh, look for, and, and find a particular word in their immediate uh, real-life environment. Uh, and so from this uh, screenshot here, you can see that Big Bird uh, has asked the child to find the word milk. And children can use uh, a, a phone or, or tablet, anything with a camera, to look around their environment and then uh, evaluate different words. So uh, if, you, if you find the word, uh, you know, orange, uh, the application is able to recognize that you found orange and that that's the word orange, uh, but it's not the word milk, and uh, try again. And ultimately uh, store a very large database of, of uh, words that can be recognized using this uh, AR technology. And we think this is going to have uh, very broad implications 
uh, in a number of different learning contexts. Hey. Um, so now I want to talk to you about, uh, again, uh, another project that we're partnering with our, our partner Qualcomm um, about a project that we're doing in India to reach uh, migrant communities. Um, and it's a pilot project, and we're using a Micromax A70 um, loaded with, golly golly, Simpson is the local uh, Sesame uh, production, uh, which children know the program. Um, and therefore they identify with the characters. And um, one of our goals was really how can we um, extend uh, what we're doing uh, on television and through our outreach um, and really teach children um, through and with, with our content on the mobile devices. And I think the, the one thing that Miles talked about and what we really look at is not just taking existing content, just putting it on there. It's really looking at how they can interact with it, what makes sense, what makes sense for the parents and, um, and the community as well. So um, we started with 10 families, uh, and the mothers share with their children. And, and just from a, a kind of a, an ethnographic point of view, we really had to talk to the families, and in some cases the, the fathers. Uh, we gave these phones out, and so we had to make sure that the, the, the fathers were allowing the, the, the family to use it, especially the mothers, um, and um, we got their permission and it became a family activity. Um, and so what we looked at was uh, math, uh, literacy and math content, and we had training for them in general for these trainers, and then they trained the moms, and then they worked with the children, and the children's ages were four to nine years old. And what we did is we put together phase one was uh, what we call the Valley Simpson application. And it had um, different areas where you listen, read, and see. Um, part of the content was something called the Great Germ Hunt. Um, and um, we then um, also looked at how do we extend this. And what we looked at um, is what we find is that um, certainly, we are very visual, and we learn using obviously all your senses. But certainly, um, with, with basic phones, um, we can really use radio and oral, and um, you know our characters. So we extended this to uh, radio episodes on community radio stations by streaming. Uh, and again, uh, here we use the primary classrooms, um, and we work with the teachers, um, and then they work with the students. Um, and what we found was we're, we're doing some uh, additional research on this, but anecdotal research is, um, is that um, people, both the teachers and the parents and the children used it, they learned from it, um, they, they looked forward to it. And what we, we always like to say is that um, it's a combination of, of three things. It's, it's the, certainly the device. And, and that it's everywhere, um, every place. You can use it in real time. Um, and, and so that's intriguing. Um, and secondly, certainly the content. And third, it's always the interaction with the adults in, in the child's life. So the combination of all three of those really allow um, uh, a rich learning experience.
Um, and so what we got out of it was, because a lot of it was um, uh, also health-related uh, content, understanding of healthy routines, hygiene behaviors, and pro-social behaviors. So we really saw different behavioral changes, and we actually have a, a video, which we couldn't show on this, but we really hear the parents saying how their behaviors change and also the child's behavior change. And I, uh, we, we really see mobile as um, being able to get onto a very personal level uh, with the children and the families um, as we go forward. What we've also done, uh, or we're, we're, in the, we're in the process of working with Qualcomm on their wireless speech program, but the program in China, um, and as you know, many places in the world are um, susceptible to some major earthquakes and other um, disasters. And uh, we learned in the United States that children are not prepared for those uh, for those uh, circumstances, and therefore, uh, what we developed after Katrina in the United States was a, a um, uh, an emergency preparedness program, which really has a child knowing their name, the family having an emergency plan, etc. And we're taking uh, this content. And uh, we're going to be distributing it through mobile um, in China. And we'll, we can give you more information on that when it launches, which I believe is going to be in June. So in general, uh, what we are really looking at is uh, the benefits of the technology, but how our content can really enhance the technology and the technology enhances uh, the content. And so when we when we started 43 years ago, it was the power of television, and now we really feel there's the power of mobile to be able to customize, to be able to reach children and their significant parents and, and caregivers around them in ways that we really never could before, and um, eventually becomes very, very, very interactive as well. Um, and one of the things that we really always look at is what is the need. And then how can we take that need and translate it into content that really addresses the need, uh, and then how do we deliver it in a way that is really relevant to the child? Um, so I think that's, uh, that's where we are, and uh, we'll, we're ready for some questions. Thanks, Anita. Ladies and gentlemen, at this time, if you'd like to ask a question, please do so by submitting it into the link chat function. Also, as a reminder, for those of you who haven't gotten a copy of the slides, you can download it by clicking the paperclip icon located to the right of your menu bar. As we're waiting for questions to come in, Anita and Miles, do you have any other content that you'd like to share while we're waiting for questions? Yeah, uh, one of the things that we're embarking on is um, looking at uh, a global health initiative and one of the uh, we've done a lot um, with against malaria healthy habits in general and nutrition and we're really working with the M health clients and some other folks to really see how we can um, distribute this content which we know can uh, build awareness but more importantly have behavioral change on things from washing your hands to using bed nets um, to make sure it's getting into the communities, uh, both from a 
child perspective, a caregiver perspective, and a healthcare worker perspective. So we're really excited about this new initiative. Looks like a couple questions are coming in. Still waiting for them to be fully submitted. One question is, a bit crowded around the mobile, how many children per phone? Um, in the one, in the one that we um, have in India, um, in some cases in the family, it was only around two or three children. Uh, so it was one phone per family, and it was around two or three children. Uh, in the classroom, uh, what we've done with another project, uh, and you may have seen it, uh, actually, our folks from India were at the conference, is that we've uh, been using um, projectors. Um, to be able to, to project what's on the phone. So uh, we're really excited about that uh, possibility as well. Uh, but most of all, we have, I would say, um, no more than three or four children around the phone. It's definitely a design challenge. Mm -hmm. And um, of course, what we're looking at on screen is, uh, is four children you know, gathered around a, mm -hmm. a single device uh, because in one sense, you want, to, you want to design for one child per mobile, but at the same time, you have to bear in mind that you want to support a situation where you, you, you might have a, a group of children. Um, and there's also that pass-along idea that, you know, one child looks at it and then it gets passed, passed around. Mm -hmm. One question just came in, says, should we be careful children with special needs? Well, uh, some of our uh, work is, is very, very need-based, and in particular, a number of outreach projects uh, that we've done here in the U.S. have been uh, fairly narrowly targeted. Um, and so, I, I, in part, I would say, um, I think it's whenever there's an opportunity to do so, tailoring uh, the content for children with particular needs is uh, we've seen over and over again that we can you know really make a big difference uh, doing that in a, in a broader uh, sort of topic of accessibility um, we we do try to be broadly accessible with everything that we do um, there are of course some some funding realities that, that can make that challenging um, but we we do the best that we can, looking uh, always at the target audience for each uh, for each project. I mean, I, I'm sorry to be sort of sidestepping the question by saying we do the best we can. Uh, really, the answer I think is that it depends on it's project by project. Uh, who is the target? What's in that group? And, and what sorts of special needs are there present there that, that can be accounted for and designed for? Yeah, and when you're looking at specific disabilities, I think we can work with some of the um, some of the manufacturers who are looking at these issues and how can our content work with the kinds of um, access that they're talking mm -hmm. that, that they're developing. So um, we're looking into some of that. So we're we're excited about that. Um, I see the we have oh, okay. Yeah, we have another question from uh, stating, from the GGSS testimonials, it seems that the radiophone initiative was also helpful for parents. 
How was your experience with parents' child benefits offered by the initiative and pilots? Um, well, in general, what we find, uh, especially because we're talking to very young children, whether it's health content or literacy content, the, the parents are learning with this child. And we target, in many cases uh, across the board, we target the adults in the child's life as well as the child. And so we're able to take some, some very complex issues um, and, and simplify them. Um, so in South Africa and HIV, AIDS, and HIV, so that um, that's how our content works. And then when you put it on a device that the parent, for the most part, has control of and then shares it with their child, there, there's that interactivity of learning together. Um, I think there are, you know, we always talk about different levels of learning from, from, from a sesame perspective, which is certainly the child learning the child teaching the parent, the parent teaching the child. So I'm just going to give you an example with um, with what we've done in the United States with healthy habits. Um, and we we take things like you know proper nutrition, etc., and we translate that into something like eat all your colors, or that Cookie Monster uh, cookies are sometimes food, not an everyday food. And what we find is that the child is saying to the parent, well, we didn't eat all our colors today. Or the, uh, then the parent is saying, well, you know, this in real time, and this is what we really find extraordinary with mobile, is that if you're shopping with your child and Cookie Monster is saying cookies is sometimes food, then you can, you have the vernacular to be able to talk to your child and say, well, this is the sometimes food. So that, that's where the parents really appreciate it. It's giving them the tools. It's their learning themselves, a lot of this. And even from a, you know, from a literacy point of view, what we feel is when uh, we start developing literacy programs on mobile, that, that mom who is possibly illiterate can be learning with the child because our content is so easily uh, understandable. Great, thank you, Anita. Um, another follow-up question um, submitted states, uh, this concept is specifically for smartphones. How about the regions where only standard cell phones are available? This is a, it's a, it's a, it's a difficult issue, and um, Anita can speak to some particular examples where we've, we've reacted to that in different ways, but uh, I would just say generally, um, that you know, we're we're a, an organization that that does its work with media, with characters, with storytelling, and our attempts. We've had a number of uh, discussions about well, are there are there things that we can do via text and via images where we can really make a difference. And I wouldn't say that we have hit upon something yet that really works and that could be brought to scale and where we could feel confident that we were really going to get engagement and, and impact. Uh, there is one uh, uh, approach to this that I'm aware of, uh, actually from our, our work with Nokia. Uh, it's a program where uh, it uses the, so uh, feature phones have certain graphic elements and certain limited functionality, of course, 
that are uh, just ride along with the basic functionality that's, uh, that's that's present in the in the phone as it ships. And there's a, a there's an idea that would involve using those uh, constituent parts, graphic elements, uh, sounds, little bits of, of, of feature and functionality. Um, and being able to sort of reconstitute those on the fly, thus creating uh, apps for feature phones that would be very simple, but might be able to do things uh, that feature phones can't currently do, simply by being able to very intelligently repurpose the various uh, elements that are already present on the phone. And so that the only thing that has to be downloaded if someone acquires an app is just a very small text file that instructs the phone to create a new program using all the graphic elements that are already present. And I think that that is uh, an initiative that has an enormous amount of potential uh, for this kind of situation where smartphones have not yet uh, become become available to, to the people who need them. Um, I think the other thing is, is um, the radio, the radio part of the phone, because we can bring things to life um, using multimedia, so it's Video um, and um, you get the characters, you get the 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 the, the uh, songs, uh, etc. And then if you pair that with some print materials or other things that we have, you can really work that together. Um, in addition, um, I think you know what we're looking at there's there's this new level of, of feature phones that are a little bit higher, which we know that are probably going to be able to have video and, uh, and some visuals. And the other one is the QR, the codes that we're, we're looking at and how can you use uh, that as an augmentation to things like radio, et cetera, so that um, perhaps in a village you have a, a wireless printer and you're able to print some of these things up that, that go with that. So we're looking at it not only as uh, the mobile device, but how do we look at it kind of a 360 experience that is really going to to help across um, the different uh, educational areas. Great, thank you. Looks like we've got another question coming in, just waiting for it to be submitted. The other thing that, that we have been looking at is, is there a way to just, um, I want to get this one, to put it in the phone beforehand to um, preload? To preload. Yes, I mean, I'm sure you've, you've discussed this a lot um, because it, it always seems to be a, a big topic uh, when these, you know, these issues are, are, are being discussed, but, uh, you know, finding ways to incentivize the for-profit operators um, in each region to uh, to work with us um, around those kinds of ideas, the preload, uh, you know, efficient and, and scalable ways to distribute content. That, that's a, a continuing challenge. Uh, and we just set to keep on it. I think new models will emerge over time uh, where it won't be as much a matter of, well, I'm not going to uh, allow this content on my network unless I can monetize it. 
where where margins start to, to get less tight and there's a more expansive idea about the sort of uh, the phone as a as a broadcasting device. I hope. Thanks, Miles. Again, ladies and gentlemen, if you have further questions, please go ahead and submit them into the chat tool. So it looks like questions are wrapping up. I want to hand it back to Anita and Miles for any closing remarks on today's session. I think one of the, the you know the basics that hopefully we've shown you is that we're constantly uh, researching and experimenting and um, looking for opportunities where we can really um, have our content uh, in places where um, where, as we say, is really relevant, and that um, to some degree we look at mobile mobile in general, tablets across the board, as um, you know the, the new television. Um, we are able to reach uh, many, many, many children through our broadcast, uh, but there are areas where they can't get the broadcast, and this can be used. Um, as an, uh, an addition to the broadcast, because you can go deeper in some cases, as well as in, in the areas where there are broadcasts, uh, children getting access to early school um, education in, in ways that if there isn't a school there, if there isn't um, a, a broadcaster, etc., um, they have some access, then at least learning some of the basics. There isn't a question here. That's uh, something that we've been talking about here recently, that uh, sometimes um, when children are appearing to sort of uh, pass by adults, um, and that, that can happen uh, certainly with technology, uh, sometimes it can happen with language, um, that adults can disengage. And I, I think you raise a really good uh, and important question that I, I don't think we have the answer to yet. We're, we're trying to build an awareness and understanding of that into the, all of the things that we're doing um, that have co-play as a goal to make sure that, that um, parents and, and adult caregivers are not um, having a sort of a negative emotional reaction to the fact that children are being successful in learning. Yeah, and I think the other thing that we look at is um, we have other programs that we're doing, uh, one in Ghana, on, on, with teachers. And it's, um, it's more in general on how to set up your classroom, how to have an interactive experience. And part of that is having the children be involved in the teaching process. And so um, we have to figure out ways to communicate this. So that we say, well, use that child that's in your classroom and, 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 and ways that the teacher can embrace it without feeling um, disenfranchised and, and uh, not, not part of the, of the process. Right. Empowering teachers. And you know, also, I think an issue is that a lot of uh, teachers probably still don't see uh, mobile use as something that's productively contributing to learning 
And so then there's sort of a double stigma there. Students get it, the teachers don't, and the teachers don't see them as, as productive learning devices. And I think those are both things that we have to be conscious of and try and address uh, as we do this work. So we've just got Nathaniel. Uh, we would love to work with you, Nathani, and am I saying your name right? I don't know. Um, and uh, we also have our whole team in our Valley Valley System team in uh, in Delhi, uh, and so we would love to connect with you and talk to you about some of the things we're already doing in India and what we'd love to do going further. Great, thank you, Anita and Miles. Ladies and gentlemen, if you do have further questions, please feel free to submit them. But that looks like the questions have wrapped up, so um, I'm going to go ahead and close out our session today. I'd like to thank everyone for joining us, although your link console will remain active for the next few moments if you'd like to submit additional questions. I'd like to thank Anita and Miles for presenting today. Thank you. Thank you. With that, ladies and gentlemen, you may now disconnect. Well, no, I don't think we do.